It's Grace here to tell you all about our new podcast at Which. It's called Get Answers and you can listen now on whatever platform you like. Me and co-host Harry will be with you every other Monday with episodes dropping each fortnight as we help you solve life's everyday problems. Whether it's getting the most from your weekly shop, finding travel hacks to save on your family holiday, or simply learning the tricks that make your everyday life easier. And we'll be joined by the very best experts too. Just search Get Answers and subscribe so that you can catch our episodes as soon as they drop. Hello and welcome to the Witch Shorts podcast. I'm Rob Lilly. Now, another quick reminder, if you haven't already, to go and check out our new podcast. It's called Get Answers, and in the first episode, we ask, is all ultra-processed food bad for you? It's a really interesting discussion, some really surprising facts, so make sure you go and have a listen to that. And then next week, we'll be telling you on the new Get Answers podcast how you can win at online shopping. I'll put a link to that new podcast as well in the description for today's show, so make sure you go and have a listen. And while I remember as well, please do give us a rating and a review here on Witch Shorts as well. It really helps other people find the show, so I'd be super grateful if you can do that wherever you're listening. Now today, we're off to South Africa, joining Witch's Jo Rhodes as she heads to Cape Town for an unforgettable adventure. To read us this article, I'll hand you over to Angus Farker. The scene is pinch-myself familiar. A display so beautiful it graces magazine and guidebook covers. So it feels surreal to finally be stood in front of Table Mountain. The iconic flat top has been shrouded in a veil of moody clouds since I landed in Cape Town 48 hours ago. Its notorious tablecloth, said to be the result of a smoking competition between the devil and a retired sea captain, is such a common occurrence that many tourists leave the city without ever clapping eyes on its 1,086-metre summit. When the clouds do break, every tourist in town descends en masse, including me. I've chosen Platterclip Gorge as it's the easiest and most direct hike to the top, around two hours. The trailhead is close to the aerial cableway, a 65-passenger car that zips to the summit in five minutes, although... As is often the case, the queue to board is snaking and slow. The trail is peaceful, perhaps because the stone staircase initially appears never-ending. It's bedded among Fainboss, a coral-like shrubland, while South Africa's national plant, the King Protea, pokes its huge bowl-shaped head above the savannah, pink, pointy bracts fanning outwards. The only sounds are the gentle burble of the river and the whistle of red-winged starlings swooping overhead as I climb. The mother city unfurls beneath my feet with every step. Table Bay's perfect crescent of white sand curving around the Atlantic like a smile. The skyscrapers of City Bowl, Cape Town's central district, shimmer in the sunshine. The wonder of it steals what little breath I have left. It's no wonder it's one of the world's most photographed places. Finally, I reach the gorge. Two flat sandstone cliffs splitting the main plateau in two. Without warning, fog starts to billow through the crevice. By the time I've scrambled the last section, it's pea soup. I persevere to the top, but nothing's visible through the clag. I made four attempts on my last visit, a man sighs as we bundle on layers. Dejected, 
I take the cable car down. As it bursts through the cloud cover, a glorious sunny day is waiting right where I left it. At least there's a rainbow waiting on the other side of the storm. In Cape Town's Malay Quarter, Bo Carp, meaning above the Cape in Afrikaans, flat-roofed, candy-coloured houses climb the slopes of Signal Hill. When slavery was abolished in 1834, these previously whitewashed homes were leased to slaves, many of whom descended from Malaysia and Indonesia. The story goes that they painted their homes vibrant reds, yellows, pinks and blues to celebrate their freedom. Indonesian prince Tuan Guru established South Africa's first mosque here after serving 13 years as a political prisoner on Robben Island. Today, the neighbourhood, declared a national heritage site, remains predominantly Muslim. Spanning just a few vertiginous streets, Bokarp has gained international recognition, but it remains enjoyably residential with just a handful of shops and restaurants. On a street corner, a group of elderly men hunch over a game of dominoes. Their religion forbids gambling, but they are no less invested. Lips pursed and brows knitted. Expect things to get heated if anyone makes a wrong move, my guide Farima whispers. I inhale the earthy tang of cardamom as I pass Atlas, the oldest spice shop in town. It whets my appetite for Bo Carp Combis, just up the hill. Turns out that dinner time is also blackout time. South Africa's blackouts have become so acute they're timetabled. Known as load shedding, the electricity in Cape Town is turned off for two hours every day. Many shops, hotels and other businesses have turned to private generators and solar panels. In Combis, they prep and cook a buffet before the switch is flipped. It means I get to sample everything from silky butter chicken to baboti, a Cape Malay speciality of curried ground lamb topped with a savoury egg custard, similar to masaka. I round off with Coke Sister, a cinnamon donut glazed with syrup and grated coconut. Cape Town's most famous neighbourhood, the V&A waterfront, is a 20-minute walk, but a world away from Bo Carp a historic working harbour in the vast canal district where boutique stores and upmarket restaurants lie beneath Dutch gables. It's also a magical place for a sundowner as the sky above Table Mountain burnishes red and orange. Round the corner is Bree Street, talked up as the city's coolest block and it's where you'll find an identical world city setup of craft beers and Scandi interiors. But there are some standouts. Nearby, Honest Chocolate is set in an old mortuary and serves decadent chocolate treats. Come here at night and beyond the leafy courtyard is a gin and bubbly bar inside the former embalming rooms. Your pickling takes place with a brute or an amber gin cocktail, which ambitiously promises to cure heartache. If Bo Carp represents freedom from slavery, then District 6, on the other side of town, is a living, breathing symbol of democracy. It is, like many places in South Africa, a difficult place to visit. Practically, in parts, it feels unsafe. There are large groups of young men stood around in doorways and on the streets, with police cars on almost every corner. But a visit to the District 6 Museum leaves you in no doubt of how precious every paving stone is to its residents. Our guide was just a child when the apartheid government came into power in 1948 and declared District 6 a whites-only area. Around 60,000 black inhabitants were sent to townships outside the city so their homes could be bulldozed. The brutality of that time is recalled through art, photos, mementos and most moving of all, personal testimony. Happy days, District 6. Living was cheap, life precious. Now, living's expensive 
and life is cheap, reads one, referencing the rise in inflation and violent crime. The regime was finally dismantled in the early 1990s, but administrative feet-dragging has left many residents still fighting to come home. Our guide is one of the lucky ones. After 35 years, she managed to produce the right paperwork to claim a townhouse in her old neighbourhood. It has cracks and leaks, but it's our Buckingham Palace, she smiles. Its history of good triumphing over evil is, of course, one of the most unique reasons to visit Cape Town. But there are also few world cities that can claim to offer so many different experiences on their doorstep. Extraordinary nature is always within reach. Yes, of course, you can sign up for a few days of full safari adventure, but less than an hour from Cape Town, I am sat in wonder at the colony of African penguins on Boulders Beach. I watch from the boardwalk as they trip over their own feet to waddle towards the frothy ocean swell. Another half an hour south, on the way to more spectacular views at the Cape of Good Hope, an ostrich joins for a race on its pipe cleaner legs before the world's largest antelope, an elland, eyeballs me while grazing for its dinner. Who needs to go on safari? I chatter, bones rattling as I bump along the bushland. Right on cue, a troop of baboons surround our van, mischief written all over their pointy faces. To the north, also a little over an hour away, are world-class vineyards. Franz Hoek, a white clapboard town on the Western Cape, is lauded as the food and wine capital of South Africa. It's also incredibly well set up to let you enjoy its bounty. The hop-on, hop-off wine tram has five different routes through the vine-carpeted valley, On board, from the top deck, all I can see are wildflowers and rippling streams set against a backdrop of craggy mountains. I jump off at whichever estate I want. At Rickety Bridge, a tractor pulls me up from the tram stop and deposits me at the entrance for a tasting and cellar tour. Established in 1797, its founder, Paulina de Villiers, was one of the first famous farm owners in South Africa. Its low-yield but high-quality grapes have been harvested by hand every February since. My guide Zizi pours a generous drop of semillion, bursting with green apple notes. This is followed by a full-bodied pinotage, a red unique to South Africa, rich with black cherries. I round off with a Cape Classique, South Africa's answer to champagne, which leaves crisp bubbles dancing on my tongue. Hemmed in on three sides by the Groot Drankestein, Franz Hoek and Simonsburg Mountains, it's hard to believe I'm only an hour from Cape Town. But then, this is a city unlike any other. I've experienced everything from cosmopolitan highlife to still raw wounds of the past. Otherworldly landscapes, sprinting ostriches and kamikaze baboons. Wine glass in hand, I'm already plotting a return visit. If only to nail that elusive view from a top table mountain. Thank you so much to Angus and to Joe Rhodes too for her piece which was originally written for the November issue of Witch Travel Magazine. Remember you can find more articles you'll find useful every day on everything from money and technology to home and garden advice by signing up to one of our many free email newsletters. And you can do that at witch.co.uk forward slash newsletters. We'll be back next week for another episode of Witch Shorts and thanks for listening. Witch Shorts was produced by me, Rob Lilly while the exec producer was Angus Farker. What is happening to supermarket prices? Do own-label brands taste good? What's the best supermarket? What's the worst? 
How do I spend less on my weekly shop? Are there ways I can shop smarter? Should I just be growing my own veg? How do I even grow veg? <sighs> Wine to pair with spag ball? When life gives you questions, get answers at which.co.uk.